Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message from the Nichols Road Campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Good morning, beautiful church. I love you so much. So proud of all of you and so thrilled to get to be one of your pastors. So the sermon title this morning is the Holy Spirit is up to something, but I got to change it because as I was preparing, the whole Trinity is in on this. God is up to something. It's not just the Holy Spirit. Okay, so um, so what, what we're going to focus on this morning is what are the things that are important to you, God? And are the things that are important to you important to us? And what part do we have to play in what's important to you? So that's what we're going to talk about. Now, so for the Christian, for those of us who believe in Jesus and follow him, given our lives to him, he is working in us. To make us like him. He is perfecting us. He's perfectly holy and he wants to be close to us. And so he makes us holy too so that we can be close. That's what he's up to. He's filling us with his Holy Spirit. He fills us with his love, his peace, his joy. Do any of these themes sound like what we've been talking about so far this morning? As Hannah shared and the worship team was, was uh, ministering, I was like, well, God, you are up to something. You've given them my sermon um, in, this, in this morning, and we had no idea. I love it when he does that. He's, he's, for all believers, he wants us to be unified so that we can rightly reflect him to the world. See, he's, what he's up to for the world is that he's revealing himself to them. To, to people who have not yet chosen to love him back, what he's up to is he's wooing them. He's drawing them. He's revealing himself to them through creation. He'll reveal himself to them through dreams or vision, visions. He's knocking on their heart's door. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. So that is what he's up to in the world. So as I was praying for this um, sermon and I said, God, what do you want me to say? He said, tell them what I'm up to. He said, some don't realize what I'm up to. Tell them what I'm up to so they can partner with me. Tell them what I pray for. See, Jesus has the ministry of intercession. Romans 6 and Hebrews 7 talks about that. He intercedes at the right hand of the Father for us. He's always praying. He says, tell tell them what I pray for. So what we're going to do first is... Um, read through and study through John 17, which is 
an amazing prayer of Jesus. It's actually, okay, so the Bible is full of great prayers, right? If you have your Bible, turn to John 17. But this prayer may top them all because it's the only long, continuous prayer of Jesus recorded in the Gospels. It's this gem, it's this unique opportunity to see deeply into the nature and to the heart of Jesus. You know, when you hear someone, have you ever had this experience where you hear someone genuinely pray? It's like you get a glimpse into their innermost being, of what's, what's really in there. So we're going to hear themes in this prayer that are really important to Jesus. And, and, and they're themes really that are throughout the whole gospel, all of the gospels, that he talked about it again and again, themes like glory and glorifying and being sent and believing um, the world and love. These are all super common themes, and they're right in this prayer. So we're going to start in verse 1, but this prayer is right before um, Judas betrays Jesus. He um, has had his, his last supper with his disciples, and he's giving them all these kind of last instructions, leaving them with these things, and then he prays. And so in verse 1, he is praying to the Father, and Jesus says, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. You know, it's interesting. Do you remember um, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry at the wedding in Cana where Jesus' mother asks him to do something to, to, turn, to take care of the problem they'd run out of wine? And he says, my hour has not yet come. The hour has come. He's, he was always aware of his, con consciously aware of his movement toward this hour. And what is it? To glorify the Son. Now is the time to glorify the Son. How? By him being lifted up on the cross. So that the Son may glorify you. So he's asking the Father for something for the purpose of glorifying the Father with it. That's a key for us. When we pray, when we ask for God uh, for something, let it be so that we can glorify God with it. Lord, I pray you'd give me a great day today. Yeah, we want to have a great day so that I can glorify you with it. I pray for good health so that I can glorify you with it. Good thing we can learn from Jesus. Okay, verse 2. As you have given him authority over all flesh, talking about himself, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. So how is the Father glorified? By granting me and you eternal life. Verse 3, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you on earth. Jesus is telling the Father, I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. His work is finished. Well, what is finished? The work of redemption for man. 
the path back to God is complete. Mankind doesn't have to be alienated from God any longer. We can now walk in close communion and fellowship with the Father once again because provision for man's sin was made at the cross. Um, as I was studying this particular verse, I came across a great quote, and I want to share it with you because it helps us understand the way God sees time. We see things so linearly, but God is outside of time. And, and let me share this. This is referring to the part of the prayer, I have finished the work. Jesus, with divine confidence and assurance, saw the work on the cross as already finished. He hadn't been crucified yet, right? He saw it as already finished. There was, of course, a sense in which the work was not finished, but since Jesus is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, Revelation 13, 8, there was a greater sense in which the work was already finished, completed in the heart and mind of God. Now it just had to be done. There is a similar sense in which God sees our own work of transformation and perfection as already complete before the fact. Now it just has to be done. Very helpful in understanding that. Um, Verse 5 will continue. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, that the glory which I had with you, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Then he transitions and begins to pray for his disciples in verse 6. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have kept your word. I have manifested your name. That means Jesus was demonstrating God to them, manifesting. I'm showing them who you are. He lived out God's goodness and righteousness and grace and holiness of, the, of Father God for them. And we have a similar call we have the responsibility to show the name and nature of God to a watching world. Paul told um, the Corinthian believers in um, 2 Corinthians 3, 2 and 3, he said, you're like living letters read by the world. Think of yourself as a letter being read by the world. So good. Um. Keep reading through here. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them. And have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Verse 11. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, 
that they may be one as we are one. Oh, this, this verse is packed. Um, so Jesus' first request for his disciples as he's praying to the Father is to keep them or protect them. That's his first ask. Protect his disciples. See, he had taught his disciples. He had encouraged them as much as he could before going away. But then he commits the disciples into his father's care in prayer, in this prayer of intercession. And he continues to intercede, as I mentioned, at the right hand of the father always for us. And he prays for unity, doesn't he? He wants us to be one. He wanted them to be one. And, you know, a, a aspect of unity is, um, yeah, Jesus wants us all to be unified, but there's not, um, there's still a uniqueness. The Father and the Son are unique. They're different. They're not the same. So it's not uniformity that we're praying for, but unity of spirit and of purpose. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost, except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled, speaking of Judas Iscariot. 13. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Okay, now here's Jesus talking about joy. In the face of the cross, right before he has to, I mean, the disciples are grieving. This is like this, he's, because he told them, I'm going to be going away, I'm leaving. So they're like in this deep despair. Jesus knows what he's up against, and he's talking about joy. Jesus, you're amazing. Um, and it says, my joy fulfilled in them. And that is what he wants to fulfill in us, in you his joy, his peace, his love. Earlier, the couple chapters prior to the one we're reading right now, Jesus says things like, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Remain in my love. He's giving us his love and peace. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. This is the kind of God that we serve. He fills us with these things. He imparts them to us. No other religious system does this. Buddha doesn't say, I give you my love. Abide in my love. Jesus does. He says, my joy is fulfilled in you. See, I can't will myself to a place of love or peace or joy, like he's talking about. But I have experienced that peace that passes understanding in the midst of crazy circumstances. And then suddenly that peace of God comes down, and I know everything's going to be okay. I'm going to be all right, because his peace has just filled my life in that moment. So it was so important to Jesus that his disciples have joy, that he prayed for it. Right at the end there. Verse 15. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. 
they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. But do you ever um, wish that he would, though? <laughs> if we're honest, sometimes it's like, oh, I just want to be in heaven. Get me out of here. I mean, um, Job, Moses, Elijah, Jonah, they all prayed that. <laughs> they, they wanted to be out of the world. But God did not grant those prayers. In fact, for Elijah, he said, what you need is a good meal and a long nap. <laughs> and then another good meal. Sometimes that's what we need. But he wants us to stay in the world to complete the work he gives us to do. If we're taken out of the world, the world would not have us as a witness to show the way of salvation to them. You're the light of the world. If we're taken out of the world, taken out of all difficulty, we could not show the power of God's grace to preserve us in the midst of difficulty. If we were taken out of the world, maturity would not be produced in us. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work that you may be complete, lacking nothing. That you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. We're made mature by persevering through trial. Jesus wants us to stick around. There's this analogy where the Christian is like a ship and the world is like the water. The ship was made to float in the water. We were made to float in the water. As long as we're floating in the water, that's the intended purpose of the ship. It's all right. That's good. The only danger is when the water gets to filling the ship, then we're in trouble. Then we're sinking. I don't ask that you take them out of the world. Instead, he prayed that we would be protected and strengthened while in the world. So that's something that's important to him. That's something that God loves to do. Let's keep going in verse 17. I think we're just going to go through verse 19 today in this, and then we'll talk about another thing. Okay, verse 17 Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Jesus' second request for his followers, sanctify them. That is the Greek word hagiadzo, which means to make them holy, to set them apart from the corruption of the world for a special use, for a special purpose. So sanctification is the process of the Holy Spirit making us look more like Jesus 
in here, making us look more like Jesus in here, in here, <laughs> what we say, in here, what we do, making us more like Jesus. That is the sanctification. And he didn't leave the disciples to sanctify themselves. He prayed for their sanctification. It's the God's work in us. But then did you, the dynamic behind sanctification is truth, is his word. His word read, his word heard, his word understood, his word applied in our lives. And to be sanctified, we're set apart for a special use. It's not just about our personal holiness. Well, what's the special use? As it turns out, it's right in the middle, sandwiched between two mentions of sanctification. I also have sent them into the world. So we're sent. That's a special use, dispatched as his messengers. And verse 19 says, for their sakes, for their sakes I sanctify myself. So does that mean that um, Jesus wasn't sanctified up until that point? <laughs> No, but he was about to enter into a new aspect of being set aside unto God for a special purpose, to complete the work of the cross. And it was through that finished work that the word of God and the work of God could become fully effective in the lives of the disciples. So, so these topics, that the things that he prays for, the things that he talks to the Father about are deeply important to him. Themes of, of unity, of sanctification, of sending us, of filling us with himself, with joy. These are deeply important to him. God, we want to pe be a people that, that knows your heart. We want to know your heart, God. We want to... Um, have a soft heart before you, a heart that's pliable like clay so you can mold and you can make us for your special purpose. Um, you know, some of us, some of us don't have a soft heart. Some of us have a stony heart. Some of us have parts of our heart that are stony. Some of us have soft hearts of flesh. But we can get a hard heart when we've been wronged, when we've been mistreated, when we've been hurt, when we've gone through a terrible tragedy. Um, we can get a hard heart by distancing ourselves. That was painful, right? So I distance myself from those painful things, from that painful emotion. And we distance ourselves, that self-protection. And it becomes our defense so we don't get hurt again. And so that hard heart is just full of defense. And the problem is when we have a hard heart, it makes it hard to feel God, to feel his love. It's hard for us to receive love from other people too. And it's hard for us to give love to others um, because your ability to feel freely give healthy love is really inhibited when when your heart is hard. Here's a little illustration of this. So, the water is God's love. 
And this is a stony heart. This sad, stony heart needs God's love. And then this is a soft heart, this cloth. Okay. So God pours his love out. Oh, I love you. I love you. He's pouring it out. He pours it out on the stony heart. He pours it out on this soft heart of flesh. And the the stony heart got wet. Experienced some of God's love. That's wonderful. But in a few minutes, it's going to be dry. And it didn't soak in, did it? But when we have a soft heart, it goes all the way in. It actually changes even the consistency of the heart. And it's so overfilled, it can easily wring it out onto other people around them. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So one of the things I want to equip you with this morning is a healing and restoration prayer that you can walk through if you have, if, if you have a, a stony, hard heart and um, God wants to heal you and give you a soft heart. Actually, could you pass that resource out? I would love for us all, when we leave here today, to all of us have soft hearts. Because that is his will for our life. So while they're passing out, I'm going to tell you a story about a woman I had the privilege of ministering to while we were just recently in Mexico um, doing a healing and restoration training and conference for a church there so that you can kind of hear an example of, of how this could play out in someone's life. So this dear woman, she, um, when she was nine years old, she experienced a tragedy. Her mother died, and it just devastated her life. Um, and her dad, she said, he expected too much of me. That is, is how she felt. And her older brother, she had a twin sister, and then they had an older brother. And she said that the older brother was the favorite. And so she and her twin sister had to always fight for attention and fight for love. And so she just felt alone and like she had to provide for herself and like she had to strive. When she was 16 years old, um, her dad got into a severe car accident and was paralyzed. And so while he was there, he was, you know, completely weak in body. She felt like she had lost her dad, too. Um, and so really, she kind of just felt like an orphan, felt alone. She became very perfectionistic that she would just try to please everyone um, yet she felt really isolated that she had to take care of herself. And it was affecting her life right now because it was affecting her relationship with her husband. Because she had this hard heart from what she had been through and her responses to that, she was unable to re fully receive the love that her husband wanted to give her 
she was unable to really fully come under his covering. Um, and so like when he would come home with a gift for her, because he loved her and wanted to bring her something, she would be upset. Why did you spend this money? Don't, why did you spend this money on me? She couldn't receive a gift. Um, but through the ministry session and through praying this prayer, God healed her. And it was beautiful. He showed her that she had been like a little orphan. I can see the image in my head <clears throat> that she had been like a little orphan on the edge of the street, dirty and just trying to take care of herself. And the father came up to her and adopted her, took her in his arms, and she was restored and she he poured into her his love and, and her worth and value. And um and it was it was just a very um a beautiful healing moment. She saw her husband come onto the scene too and just how his love he was hugging both of them and, and it was it was completely restored. I saw her a few days later and she was just completely changed. She could receive love from others. She could receive love from her husband. She had repented to her husband for <laughs> not being able to receive his love and um, thanked him for being so faithful to her for so long to just keep loving her despite that hard heart. And it's just beautiful. That's what he can do for all of us. It's not, it's not hard for him at all. Wonderful. So um, at, we we may have some ministry time at the end. You can pray through that if you need to, but um, let's just keep going. So the next thing I want to talk to you about is, as you know, we have community group signups going on right now, and they will be starting in just a couple of weeks. And so in in our community groups this year, we're going to answer a question. Each time we meet, everyone in the group will have the opportunity to answer the question, how's your heart with God? How's your sanctification going? Are you partnering with the Holy Spirit or are you resisting what he's teaching you? We know that that's what he's up to is sanctification in our life. Are we on board with that? Are we partnering well with him? Or is he having to drag us along because we're not really cooperating very well? <laughs> I picture a three-legged race gone wrong. You know, like the person's like dragging along on the ground. Okay. And so in your group, you, it may come to you, it may come to your turn. You answer the question and, okay, well, this is how I partnered with the Holy Spirit this week. I um, chose to forgive instead of stay angry. I really wanted to stay angry, but I was like, nope, God, you're producing in me your heart, a forgiving heart, so I'm going to quickly forgive. Um, I There was a situation this last week where instead of responding to a difficult situation in an argumentative way, I chose to respond um, by being a peacemaker. Wow, that is God changing us to be more like him. Oh, well, this week I... Um, I realized I had done something wrong. I had sinned against someone. 
And God's been working in my heart to be humble. And so I humbled myself and I went to them and I repented. Wow, that is amazing. Um, I decided this week I was going to include him in all the little things in my day. Instead of just going to him for big things or when things go wrong, I just included him and, and hung out with him all day. And, and my heart is just growing closer to God. Um, I, I read my Bible this week. I stopped to pray more than I normally would. I took steps to break a sinful habit. The Holy Spirit's been working with me on um, the, the words in my mouth. Let no unwholesome talk come out of my mouth. And so, you know, I'm, I'm actively doing things to stop complaining or to stop gossiping or stop cursing because this is what God is working with me on. Um, he's challenging me to share the good news of Jesus more. So this week I, I put my testimony down into words and practice saying it. Um, I took some negative thoughts captive. Instead of letting them run on repeat for days on end, I took them captive and made them obedient to Christ. So it's a place to be honest. This is where I'm growing. This is where I'm struggling. You might say, you know what? Actually, I, I did not partner with the Holy Spirit this week. And uh, I want to repent for that. You can be honest. But you hold yourself accountable before people who will walk with you all year long in prayer and in friendship and encouragement. Isn't that good? There is this um, big emphasis in the fitness world um, to, that you should work out with others because studies show you're going to be more effective in your goals. You'll see better results. You'll stay committed to the program if you're working out in community because it helps you stick with it. This is the same exact situation with our spiritual growth. If we have people with us, we are going to stick with it much better. So super practical, so you would know exactly what to expect at your community group. Um, each group will start with food and fellowship, either a meal or snacks and catching up with one another. Then the leader will gather together and share a short devotion to get started. So, and the do devotion will reinforce or go along with what we're learning as a church that week. So it might be a passage out of our Bible reading plan. It might be a passage out of um, a recent sermon. But that, that's how this group time will start. And then each person will be able to share their answer to the question. And the group responds with encouragement and prayer, not with... Uh, counseling or advice giving that's that's not the place for that they may ask a clarifying question um, but their role is to encourage and pray and then finally every group will end in a time of prayer you being able to share your prayer requests and pray for one another um, so that's what you can expect in your group so if we were a group and it was my turn to answer the question I might say well, this week, um, I asked the Holy Spirit 
what are you teaching me this week? How are you working to sanctify me, to make me more like you this week? And he said, I want you to trust me more. I want you to trust me that when you're weak, I'm strong, and that I will give you the answers you need for any situation you come up against. And I want you to trust me that I'm going to give you what I want you to share for the sermon on Sunday. And so I made a concerted effort to join him in what he was doing. And any time I was tempted to worry about any of those things, stop myself, no, I can trust him. He's teaching me. I can trust him in these ways. And I am going in that. So that might be how I might answer if we were a group. Um, so there's a real blessing in your life in your spiritual growth that you'll receive because you know the question is coming, you are going to be more engaged and intentional throughout your week, and, and you will see um, am amazing growth. So I want you to sign up for a community group with the, the determination in your heart of, I want to grow. I'm actively pursuing God. My walk with God is not passive. I'm taking Christianity seriously. We have, in the, um, in the church, we have to resist a consumerist mentality because we're Americans and it's a common mentality that is all around us. So we have to resist that. The consumerist mentality pulls you into a passive feed me role. It pulls you into a less giving um, a, a less giving mentality or a less engagement mentality. It says, my role is to consume, your role is to provide something to my liking. Does this sound familiar? This is this consumerist mentality. The uh, consumerist mentality in church could look like the onus for my spiritual growth is on another. My spiritual growth depends on another person, depends on the pastor, depends on the church, depends on a ministry. If, if, say, the sermon is to my liking, then I'll grow. If the church provides the right ministry opportunity for my gift and for my family, then we'll grow. Now, there's nothing wrong with wanting to attend a church that welcomes your family, and there's nothing wrong in following the footsteps of a mentor or a spiritual, you know, leader in your life. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. But we have to be careful not to place our spiritual growth totally on another. We have to take that onus and say, I'm, I'm serious about my walk, and I'm going for it. Remember, it's the role of the Holy Spirit to teach you all things, John 14. It could be a child up here speaking, and the Holy Spirit could teach you something to transform your life. In fact, you remember the last River Sunday that we had, and Ellie Fielding came up here. She had just had a vision of a multitude of people bowing before the cross, and Father's God's big arms wrapping around them in love, and she heard the scripture, John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. She shared that, and we responded. We learned 
as a church. After that, five or six of us, we went into a time of testimonies. Five or six of us shared testimonies from our life. Okay, the Holy Spirit can do mighty things. We always need to be looking. How, how are you, what are you growing in me? What are you um, teaching me? I'm going to close with this scripture from 1 Thessalonians 4. Finally, brothers, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. They were doing a great job. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. Keep working at your sanctification. Do it more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. It's his will that you should be sanctified that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that's holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God, and that in this manner no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. The Lord will punish men for all such sins as we already told you and warned you. Now I'm going to remind you that Greek, the language this was written in, is an androcentric, ando, androcentric language which means it's focused or centered on men. So that means it's most natural to use masculine terms when addressing both men and women. So we understand it to mean brothers and sisters, men and women, unless there's a clear exclusion of women, the language itself does not assume exclusion. So it applies to all of us here. The Lord will punish men for all such sins as we have already told you and warned you. For God did not call us to be impure. He wants to, but to live a holy life. He's holy. He wants us to be holy too, so we can be close. Therefore, he who rejects this instruction does not reject man, but God, who gives you his Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, well, I am going to close us in prayer. Um, feel free to turn on some uh, instrumental music while I'm praying. So, Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for just sharing with us your heart, your what you pray for, what you care about, the things that are important to you. And I pray that we would be a good three-legged race partner <laughs> and we would walk alongside you and learn the things you want us to learn, that we would have a soft heart before you. I just pray blessing over each one. There's a reason if someone has a hard heart, there's a reason that they have a hard heart. They've been through some painful things, but you heal all things and you can redeem all things. So I pray for those hearts this morning, God, that as you soften, as you do that work in them today, um, that they would just see beautiful restoration and be given a new heart of flesh. We thank you, God, and honor you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Marilee. You're welcome. All right. As you are about to be dismissed this morning, uh, have a great week, I want to say. And I think uh, one of the things I took away from what Marilee shared is how much Jesus loves each of us that he's praying for us, that he cares about us, that he's so involved and present. And so I just encourage you this week to go experience that, you know, interact with him.
come to him in prayer, you know, see what he wants to do in his relationship with you. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus whatsoever and you want to start, or maybe it's been a long time and you want to like recommit to, to being in close relationship with him, our prayer team, they're gathered here on my left, your right. And they would love to pray with you. They'll also pray with you about any prayer needs that you have whatsoever. So come and see them. That would be wonderful. Otherwise, you can stand up and greet one another. You're dismissed. Have a wonderful week and we'll see you next Sunday.